0: One of the best ways to keep up with church life is through the City Life app. The City Life app enables you to listen to messages from Sunday, explore the Bible while listening to messages, stay up to date with church life through our Connect section, and much more. Download the City Life app in the App Store or Google Play Store today. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Open your Bibles up to John chapter 16, verse 33. It's one of my favorite passages in the scriptures. And uh, I'd love you to get that out. And, and uh, if you don't have it underlined, highlighted, or whatever, Screenshotted, Do it, you know. Do it because this is a important scripture today. Yesterday uh, and Friday, I got to hang out in Aubrey, Texas. Ooh, you ever been to Aubrey before? Oh yeah. Well, how many of you? How many of you know where Aubrey is? Aubrey. Oh look, man, there are a few of you guys. Aubrey Aubreyites. Uh, yeah, Aubrey, Aubrey is, is quite an interesting uh, place. Uh, just, in, in, just in some basic Texas terminology here, what you do, if, you know, if you're from the Metroplex, you can do this. You say, all right, what you do is you drive north and you, 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 you pass Argyle. Y'all know y'all know where Argyle is, right? Okay, you don't mind. Okay, you don't mind me talking like that, you know, because I'm, I'm a Texan too. I know how to talk. I mean, this is, we, I'm very Texan, all right. But uh, you can be well, go up in there and pass Argyle, and then you get up there where the 35s merge. You know, the W and the E, and then the W and the E disappear, and it just comes 35. I don't know why they just do that, but because uh, around here it's either the W or the E. And then uh, and then you head out. Oh, you, you you just head head east for about. 30 miles and 30 minutes or so of driving down these country roads. And then, <laughs> when you get to Fish Trap Road, yes, it exists. I, I have proven it right here, it exists. You know, it, when you get to Fish Trap Road, that's where I mean to tell you guys, that's where all the fishing is. I it, pe- people don't know it around here, but if you want to go to where all the fishing is, it has to be somewhere on that road. You go, so you go to Fish Trap Road, and then you actually take a left on Dr. Sanders Road. And after you turn a take a left on Dr. Sanders Road, you are in Aubrey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I hung out in Aubrey. Um, it was unfamiliar territory for me, but worse than that. Uh, It was cold, overcast, dark, and I was driving in the rain at night. Now, what happened to me was something I didn't quite anticipate, but all of a sudden, all of my emotions started coming after me uh, because of my accident, my auto accident that I had a few weeks ago because it was like those same exact circumstances when my car slid when I going around a curve and it careened into this muddy grassy median and spun around and I ended up plowing into the oncoming traffic and, and got out and walked away from it. But, uh, there I was out in Aubrey and it was very unfamiliar. Um, I started finding myself getting short on breath. You know, I was just, uh, I was, I was a hold gripping the steering wheel. Uh, I was paranoid. I, I felt myself like overreacting to every little situation that was happening. I, I had to force myself to be calm because I recognized, okay, this is not good. Uh, and so I literally started counting my inhaling and my exhaling. And if you guys ever do that, I, I do that. helps to calm me. And, um, and and the other things I just started doing, is like, well, I just know if I can smile and I can sing, you know, nobody can see me anyway. You know, I love you, Jesus. Uh, I started singing songs. I go, where did that song come from? I haven't sung that song since I was like five years Old. but I was, uh, maybe my mom sang it to me and it comforted me. I don't know, but I was just started singing and, 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 uh, and trying to get calmed down. And, and why, you know, is because I was in pursuit of my destination because I just kept, I was going to keep driving. I wasn't going to stop. I couldn't let the fear of my past cripple me. Yes. That's important. Just because the setting and the circumstances and the atmosphere looked the same as it did on that crazy October evening when everything kind of went backwards for me for a while, that didn't mean that I had to shut everything down. But I had to push through some emotions. I mean, it's like every time I, I pressed on the brakes, like my brain was telling me, you know, the car is sliding. Every time I'd go around a little, I mean, a little curve, it's like, okay, you're sliding across the road. You know, it was, it was just like this this mental warfare I was going. It was like a nightmare revisited. It really was. The rain and and then the. Uh, headlights coming at me and the and the windshield wipers going and all I could see were dark ditches and grass and mud everywhere but I was like I had to keep going I had to keep going when I finally actually calmed myself down I was uh I was, my singing and my breathing and everything and it finally got to this place I kept relaxing uh the traffic had stopped I was like okay I'm gonna sit here and relax for a little bit and got a little further up and and then there were like these first responder lights and you know, like oh well, you know something happened and so I get to this intersection and lo and behold, there's a car identical to mine sitting up on 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 one of those those tow trucks you know where they have to put it on top and and it looked like it had been crashed just like mine and all of a sudden, no kidding, like the emotions came at me double times like see your car's gonna get crashed again and I had to turn the corner I was like i I can't it's like Shh stop it. I promise you this is what, this really, really happened to me. Um, But I couldn't quit driving. I wasn't going to stop. I wasn't going to let my fears based upon a bad experience change my destination and my future. So I continued to pursue my destination. So today I'm talking about aggressive pursuit. Of course, it's the aggressive pursuit of Jesus. And I want us to kind of get deep in this. Maybe in the past, uh, you were at one time in this aggressive pursuit of Jesus, but something went wrong. Maybe somebody chewed you out. Maybe you sinned. Possibly a pastor shunned you. Um, Another Christian let you down. Someone berated you because of your faith. Maybe you expected a miracle, but the miracle didn't happen the way you had prayed that it was going to happen. And, uh, and maybe you've even told yourself, based upon the memories of your past, that, that because they're so vivid, and they're so real, and they're so painful, that you're never going to do that again. You're never going to get yourself out on the edge with God. You know, the thing is... lot of times you might say, based upon the past, this aggressive pursuit of Jesus thing has too many twists and turns, it has too many dark ditches, it has too many slick spots that I think I'm just going to chill and take it easy and play it safe. Kind of like my car crash. Kind of like my fears when I was up in Aubrey driving at night in the rain again. But are you going to let your old fears control you? Are you? For me, when I was driving, it's like, no, no. My emotions were still there. They were very real and they were very present. But I'm still going to drive. And so I will drive in the rain at night. I'm not going to let the bad memory of something that happened to me halt my pursuing of my destination but I am challenge you the same way to do this with your pursuit of Jesus. Do not allow memories of your past pain and fears of things that happened back there to dictate the future of your faith life. Today, I'm challenging you, get on an aggressive pursuit of Jesus, just like the wise men, the Magi did. Matthew chapter two, verse one, it's recorded, the story of the Magi, it starts this way, it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. You see, these magi, they had a vision for the future. They wanted to see, they wanted to experience, they wanted to meet, and they wanted to worship the future king of Israel. And so, these magi again it's important for us to understand they were willing to travel 500 plus miles in the ancient middle east that meant it would have been on camel or on foot they were uh risking their reputation for doing something foolish they were risking their finances they're risking uh they're risking being robbed out there on those dangerous ancient middle eastern highways uh They were risking a couple of years, at least, of their lives to make this journey. The aggressive pursuit to get to Jesus. But you see, here's the deal. The Magi understood the power of the aggressive pursuit. And I want you to understand that power as well today. So receive it. Get it. Get this in your heart. Because I believe God's going to challenge you today to take some steps forward. See, there is power in the pursuit of Jesus. There is. And we have a choice. We can either sit in the grandstands and we can watch other people do it and applaud them, go, 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 or, or critique them, kind of like we do at a, at a ball game. Or you can get down on the field and dive into the action. And, and the truth is, it's just a little more fun to dive down into the field and get into the action and get a little bit of muddy and get, get kind of beat up. It's more fun. Better experience. I'm pressing you. I'm encouraging you aggressively pursue Jesus. And what you got to do in order to, to make this happen is you need, to be, you need to begin overcoming the trouble in your life and the trouble in society with peace that comes from God. It's a supernatural form of peace. Now, I'm going to talk about trouble for just a second because we all have trouble in our lives. Uh, we live in a very, very imperfect world, which is no news to any of us. Um, there's trouble in families. There's trouble with maybe your body. There's trouble with your job. There's trouble with the economy, or there's trouble with the government. Like right now, there's trouble in the streets of Paris. But Jesus never promised a trouble free existence, He never did. Now, I want us to look at John chapter 16, verse 33. And, and and I want us to see these words of Jesus, because here's how Jesus explains how we can have peace that's going to overcome uh, this the, the trouble that happens in our lives and in the world. Now, Jesus, is, Jesus said these words. He says, I have told you these things so that in me, okay, picture it, this is being in Christ. So Jesus wants us to be in him, you see? So that in me, it's not through me, it's in me. In me you will have peace. In this world, sometimes you'll have trouble. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? What does it say? In this world you what? Come on, say it out. In this world you what? If Jesus was willing to say it, we need to say it too. In this world you will have trouble. Yeah. Yeah, so don't shout me down. It's like yeah, come on, preach it, preach it. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's true. In this world you will have trouble. But Jesus said, But take heart. And in other words, Let your emotions rise because Jesus says, I've overcome the world. So the the picture here, the imagery here is that we are in Jesus and because he has overcome the world, which there's a lot of trouble in it, we overcome as well. So we can be at peace because we're in him and, and we're being carried by him. Isn't that beautiful? Okay. Now here's the setting of this though. Jesus was saying this to his disciples a few hours before his crucifixion that the disciples did not know were coming. And he was letting them know that they needed to keep pressing forward and to be in him, even though the world around them would seem to be falling apart. Now, in their minds, they weren't getting this because they thought everything was looking really, really good. Because it kind of was for them. You know, they had just arrived in Jerusalem. The disciples believed that Jesus, you know, at this point, they're believing Jesus is the Messiah. They're believing that he was coming into Jerusalem. He was just hailed as king on on Palm Sunday, you know, they waved the palms and all that. He was being hailed as king. They were believing Jesus had come to Jerusalem to set up his throne, to set up his kingdom, and and to drive out the Romans. The Roman occupation was going to end. Israel was going to just explode and expand. They thought that's what was about to happen. They thought they were the future government leaders. This was their big moment. But what was really ahead was something that was going to look like a horrible train wreck. But regardless of what was coming around the corner, they were being told that they could abide in Christ and they could have supernatural peace in the middle of their confusion and their devastation. And he's still saying it to you today. That's why we aggressively pursue Jesus. And to do this, you need to utilize something that he gives us, and he gives us this thing called grace. We need the grace of God. We've got to have it. You know, Some of you, have you've been through some really rough, tough stuff this year. And some of you, you've asked God to turn your situation around. Others of you, you've asked God to remove the pain of something that you're walking through. But the situation didn't get turned around. Or maybe the pain didn't get removed, but the pain got worse. Like, why, God? I mean, didn't we, we're we're singing about how God works miracles, but God, God, why is this not happening to me? The key is to not give up, but to keep aggressively pursuing Jesus. See, when the Apostle Paul faced a huge trial, and we don't even know what his huge trial was. We have no idea really exactly what it was, but it was bad. But he didn't let us know (laughs) I mean, possibly because it was just such a deeply personal issue. But he simply called it a thorn in his flesh. And he, he said that he had prayed to God a multiple times for God to take it away. It hurt. It was painful. It slowed him down. It affected him. And he said, God, I want you to take this away. He, he says, the scripture says he pleaded with God. This wasn't a little little prayer of like, okay, God, take out the ouchie. <laughs> no, I mean he pleaded with God. <clears throat> but then it's told to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, what happened? Paul records this in his letter to the church at Corinth. He said, But he, God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. <laughs> That was God's response. So Paul, what he did is he had to transition the way he was thinking, and he took that and he turned it around, and he said, You know what? Therefore, because of this, I'm just going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, about my pain, about the stuff I'm going through, about the the areas that I just don't measure up in. I'm going to start talking more about it. I'm going to boast more about it because (laughs) Christ's power will be able to rest on me in a greater way if I do that. Listen, your pain and your trials, your weakness, your adversity, your struggle is actually the place where God wants to put his grace. And that's where his grace is made perfect. And when you open up and you keep pursuing Jesus and you allow that grace just to come over those areas, things are going to begin to shift in your life. Hey, some of you, you need to stop You need to stop hiding out, living in that hole, um, afraid that if you step out, you're going to get hurt again. I'll just tell you. You may get hurt again. You may. But you can't let that stop you. You just got to keep aggressively pursuing Jesus because when you do that, as you step out, the truth is his grace and his power is going to rest on you. And who doesn't want that? And one of the best ways to aggressively pursue Jesus is to do this. It's to cry out to him. It's to just cry out to God. I mean literally cry out to God. You know, sometimes we get into this thing of thinking like, well, I'm just going to think a quick prayer to God. Okay, God? Okay. Am I against that? No. Did I make fun of it? Yes. Now, I, I love the Bible. You know how many times in the Bible a person thought a prayer to God? One. It was when Nehemiah was standing in front of the king, and the king says, what's wrong with you? And he goes, and I just silently prayed, Okay. You see, one place in the Bible, one place in the Bible. Yeah, of course, we're doing it like all the time. I'm going to think a prayer to God. Think a prayer to God. Okay. That's nice. But there's something about verbalizing and even aggressively verbalizing, crying out in prayer to God. There's something about that, my friend. Ancient Israel's King David. This is a powerful man. He understood this. He's a good example of this. And I want you to look at this in Psalm 55. He said this. He says, as for me, in other words, I don't know about you. If you want to think your prayers, okay, fine, fine. Think all you want. I, I still, you know what? And I, I do believe God hears that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he says, I don't know about you guys, but as for me, I will call to God. In other words, there's going to be some sound waves here, and then the Lord saves me. And he said, in the evening, morning, and noon, I'm going to cry out when times are good. Actually, he says, I'm going to cry out in my what? Distress. And God hears my voice. And look at this. He rescues me unharmed from the battle that's waged against me, even though many are opposing me. I like that. I like that about crying? Are you willing to literally start doing that? Are you willing to cry out to God, to press into him in the middle of your distress, in the middle of your opposition, in the middle of your war and your battle like David? David's a good example of this whole thing. He really is. Because if so, You'll be able to say, like David said in Psalm 108, he said, with God, we will gain the victory and he, God will trample down the enemies. It's kind of nice just to let God do it for you. Sometimes we take so many things into our own hands. We have to do it, do it, do it. And, oh, it's so t- like No, God is saying, cry out to me. Let me go to battle for you. I want that. See, David tapped into something really amazing. He lived in this time where, where the, the world was under law because the sacrifice of Jesus hadn't happened yet. And he wasn't living into the time of grace like us. But he didn't let the fear of the law and doing everything just perfect and just right. He didn't let, him, he didn't let that stop him from just hauling off and aggressively pursuing God. And, and again, what God said, though, he said something beautiful about him. It's in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. God said this. He says, I have found David, son of Jesse. That's King David, you know? The son of Jesse. That's his daddy. A man after my own heart. Say, after my own heart. Say it with me. After my own heart. Key words right there. And he will do everything I want him to. Now, what does this mean? What does it mean to be after David is after God's heart, a man after God's heart. A lot of people think that, well, he kind of like had a miniature version of the heart of God. He's kind of like he had this heart that was after God. And, and, and see, we actually use this phrase in our culture a lot, but, but we don't actually use it the way that it was being used here at all. You know, if I'm hanging out with you, or maybe I'm sitting down with one of you guys, and we go to a restaurant and we get some chips and salsa and guacamole. I mean, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy with you, and I'm, yeah, uh, you know, you, you're eating it and scarfing it down with me, and I'm going, you know, you are a man after my own heart. You are, yeah, yeah, we're all, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we're so happy. You know, we're bonding over the chips and salsa and guacamole. That's not at all what God is saying here. That's not at all what he's saying. You see, that's how we think about this in the 21st. This is this is ancient literature. That word means something very different. The Hebrew definition of that term after which is a car, it means pursuing. David was in pursuit of the heart of God. He wasn't a guy who just had a mini God version of his heart. See, the title of a man after God's own heart, you might even think, oh, that means he's like a Superman and and he has extra power, superhero, no flaws. No, that's not the case either. He was just a man who was in pursuit of the heart of God. You see, get that? And that's beautiful. That's what I'm challenging you to do today. David got this. The I got this. And I'm asking you, will you join me in, in, in this aggressive pursuit of Jesus? See, David got this. He was abandoned to God. Uh, David was, was even a man of great responsibility. I mean, he was a king. And yet, yet at the same time, he didn't care what people thought of the way he worshipped. In fact, he even danced around wildly before the Ark of the Covenant. I would think twice before doing that, you know? And he, and he wouldn't let his past define him either. And nor should you. Going to aggressively pursue Jesus, uh, you're going to need to begin ignoring your limitations. And you know your limitations better than anyone else because you like to focus on them, don't you? See, like us, uh, David failed. David understood despair and fear. Uh, David dealt with doubt. He dealt with loneliness. Um, And David. Actually, I would say from most people's perspective, especially within that culture, would have looked at him and said, this guy has nothing going for him. It's almost like every possible external issue was battling against him. But at the same time, he was in this aggressive pursuit of God, and he was ignoring his limitations. Let's talk a little bit about these limitations. I mean, first of all, he was from Bethlehem. Bethlehem, you know, I say, well, that's, is that a beautiful town where Jesus was born? Yeah, but you don't understand Bethlehem was like a shepherd's town. It was a, it was a not, you know, it's kind of like Aubrey. I, if you're from Aubrey, I'm happy for you, but you know, it's like, I mean, whenever you're born in Aubrey, you know, Aubrey, I, okay, see, no, none of you, you just kind of like, you found it one day when you're going down to the fish trap road. And, and, but, but uh, what? Bethlehem? And in that culture, in that time, the city that you were born in dictated your future. His occupation, do you realize he had the lowliest job? A shepherd? It was kind of like one step above unemployment. And, and you know what? Some of you are saying to yourself if I only had a different job, then I could really start doing something for God. I got a word for you. God is waiting for you to aggressively pursue Jesus and do things for God right now and quit blaming your job. Quit quit looking over the fence at somebody else's pasture going, it's prettier over there. I just want that. David, he aggressively pursued God, but where did he do it? In his own pasture. How is he going to do this? he just began to worship God and the pastor around those stinking sheep. And he just started writing songs. Well, he didn't even go to songwriting school. How could he do that? He just decided he was going to do it. He learned the art of shepherding, which helped him to be a good leader. And he learned how to fight with precision, which made him a powerful warrior. And he was doing this all the time in the middle of his dead-end job. Hear me well. Your job is not holding you back from your spiritual destiny. I'll say it again. Your job is not holding you back from your spiritual destiny. David, I mean, he had another thing going against him. It was the birth order thing. Um, You know, some people love to study birth order. I think it's interesting, but, you know, eh, whatever. I'm not going to let the birth order thing tell me who I am and what I'm going to do in life. He was the last son. I don't think any birth order stuff even goes that far. He was number eight, number eight of the boys. And so, get this. I mean, again, the greatest king of Israel ended up being an eighth son, the youngest son. Unheard of in that culture. Joseph, Joseph the dreamer, Joseph the rescuer, Joseph the second command in in Egypt. He was actually 11th in the line of the sons. And both of these guys... They chose to not live in the shadows of their older siblings. Now, any of you who's an older sibling, you know, it's, it's okay. That's, that's, that's when you're born. You, you won't understand this. But anyone who even has like one above you, you'll you, you get what I'm saying. See, first of all, I have three older brothers. Count them one, two, three. One, two, three. I have three older brothers. How many of you have three or more older brothers? See? Okay, see, I have compassion for you right there. And to me, even today, I can still, I, I'm, I'm like over 50. I can still hear and remember and, and, and words that are echoed in my mind of things my brothers have said to me or I felt or I misinterpreted. Uh, but can you imagine having seven big brothers? Uh, that was David's problem. Uh, Joseph, he had 11 big brothers. No wonder Joseph got thrown in the pit, okay? 11 brothers, my brothers used to hold me down and beat me up. They said, it's going to make you tough. <laughs> it just makes me mad at you is what it makes me. See, David, he really didn't have anything going for him also because of the opinion of his family. Uh, they didn't seem to consider him. They left him out there to watch the sheep when all of those guys were going to go hang out with the prophet Samuel. David wasn't, Invited, nor was he even allowed to go. When the prophet Samuel came to the home, and he called on David's father, Jesse, and uh, he called on Jesse to bring his sons out. Uh, Jesse didn't even think about scrawny, smelly, teenage David who's out there playing his guitar in the fields, you know him no he didn't even give him a second thought some of you in this room you've been put down you've been abused you've been insulted you've been rejected but it's up to you to not allow those things to hold you down David had another thing going against him because we also know that he probably wasn't, you know, he definitely wasn't like some big guy. He was a great warrior, but his physique, <laughs> there was an issue there. How we know this is because God told the prophet Samuel when he's going over to Jesse's house, you know, when you get, when you find this man who's going to be the future king of Israel, don't pay attention to his stature. Don't, don't, don't look at his body. Just listen to me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and so he yeah, like the prophet's going, Okay, God, you know, I'm I'm gonna do it. but that's interesting because you had to wait for that last son to finally show up, the scrawny, smelly one, and like he's the one. He doesn't fit the part. And some of you might even say you're limited because of your physical body. For one reason or another. I'll I'll say it again. The enemy is lying to you. If you have breath in your lungs, you can use it for the kingdom of God. Get in this aggressive pursuit of Jesus Christ. See, what David did have going for him is he was in this aggressive pursuit of God. He was passionate toward God with all of his heart. See, here's the deal when all is said and done, God's not looking at any of that other stuff that everybody else in society looks at, God's looking at your heart. So in reality, in the spirit realm, David actually had everything going for him. So that's my challenge for you today. Just like David, aggressively pursue Jesus. In fact, one of the things David did is he lived above his potential. I didn't say live at your potential or get to your potential. Live above your potential. When the prophet Samuel came to Jesse's house to anoint the next king of Israel, and as directed by God, the the Bible tells us that Samuel consecrated, it's an important word, he consecrated Jesse, the dad, I'm not talking about Jesse Martinez, you know, here, who works here, serves here, okay, but he consecrated Jesse, the dad, and the seven oldest sons, okay, he did this to prepare them for Before you know to come before God, Uh, but David was not a part of the ceremony. He was not a part of the consecration ceremony. A consecration ceremony would have been like a purification ceremony, and uh, and this was often done in that culture when before people were were going to be involved with a sacrifice or if they were going to witness some great act of God, they had to be purified, go through this ceremony. And the consecration ceremony, what it actually did, it was really an illustration of the importance of approaching God with a pure heart which is a good thing. So everybody went through the ceremony. But David didn't. Why? I've always wondered that. It's like, well, why did all those guys go through the whole ceremony, yet yeah, David didn't go through the ceremony and he was anointed as the king? I just simply believe it because that young man was in an aggressive pursuit of the heart of God and he was continually bathing himself in the presence of God. See, he was already living above his potential before anyone could even take note of him. Yeah, nobody was noticing, but God noticed. Now I'll tell you what, guys, that's what God's looking for. That's what God's looking for from you. David is a great example of this aggressive pursuit, and so, like David, I encourage you to start chasing after God. I mean, just hauling off and chasing after God. Pursue the things that God cares about the most. What is God interested in? Get interested in that. You know, uh, pursue the interests of God, the, the heart of God. What's on the mind of God? Pursue that. Well, how do I figure that out? Really, it's pretty simple. It's very basic. We miss it a lot of times. It's by reading the scriptures. You should do. You should do some time every day, every day, with Bible apps. Today, there's no excuse. You can even listen to the Bible. I mean, my goodness, how easy is that? Be in the scriptures, read or listen to the scriptures, and also hear the teaching of God's word. Now you're here today. You're doing this, and that's great. Another thing is just by praying in the spirit. And when you do that, you're going to tune into the heart of God. Guys, that's how you chase after God. That's how you're going to know what God really cares about and what he's interested in. David wasn't the most perfect man in the world. No, actually, he was deeply flawed. But his pursuit of God's heart trumped the flaws. You see? He was covered by grace, even during a time when there wasn't grace. If you're going to keep pursuing the heart of God, uh, some of you also need to make the decision to deal with rejection. My challenge is to eject your rejection. That rejection can't control you anymore. You need to begin to expect God to work in you regardless of what anybody thinks around you. We worry way too much about what other people think and that rejection holds us back and locks us down. (laughs) David cared less about what anybody thought about him. And some of you need to be set free and liberated of rejection today, whether it came from your parents, whether it came from a boss or a friend or a spouse or an ex-spouse or an ex-relationship. Your brothers, sisters, you need to be free from that rejection today, and you can be. (laughs) He pursued God, and then God worked in him. And God will do the same for you. See, these are all examples for us to live by. We can't be afraid of what other people think. You can't be afraid of how other people might reject you. David was just like completely in love with God. He wrote these songs. He wrote these psalms. And... Um, He wrote these songs about worshiping God, and we even sing little phrases of those songs and work them into our repertoire today. We're still singing the words of the songs he wrote in the palace and in the fields thousands of years ago. Not many people would even consider, like he did, dancing in wild abandonment before God. You can read about it in 2 Samuel 6. It's an interesting story. He just didn't care about what people thought or if people were making fun of him. He was a worshiper. David perfectly understood the heart of God. Why? Not because he kind of got it and liked chips and salsa like God, no. It's because he pursued God and he allowed God to work in his heart. And he just simply didn't care what was going on around him. He broke the mold. Are you going to aggressively pursue Jesus? If you, if you are, then you need to engage God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. That's every part of you. I mean, you've got to let this pursuit of Jesus just, just consume you. And I know you might say, "But hey, but you don't understand Pastor, If I, if I really like go all out for this Jesus thing, it's going to be a distraction from my family and my work and all my other stuff, and, and you know that I can't have that. No, that's not true. because the passion and pursuit of God, like David, it will make you a better business owner. It will make you a better employee, it will make you a better friend, it'll make you a better husband or wife, it'll make you a better brother, sister, father. <laughs> So engage your heart and your soul in this aggressive pursuit of God. I like what Moses said. Moses nailed it. He told, told all of God's people, he said, if from there you seek the Lord your God, speaking of after you come through some difficult times, if, it says, if from there you seek the Lord your God you will find him if if you're going to find God and if so there's a condition if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul that's how you're going to find God you want to find God it's going to involve your heart your emotions your mind this is it's, that's why I use the word aggressive pursuit you got to shake down those old emotions that's trying to hold you back, tense you up. Like, I can't drive in this. What's coming over me? Like, boom, boom, no. (laughs) I've got to put my passion in a different way. I'm going to sing a song of the Lord, and I'm going to aggressively pursue God with all my heart, with all my soul. And you will find God. Where's God in the middle of the mess? He's right there. You just run to him and aggressively pursue him. Are you ready to do this? Good. Then I want you to look back at that scripture that I started off with, John 16, the one you should have underlined and highlighted and screenshotted and ready to print out on your computer and hang it all around the walls of your house. Jesus said this. Here it is. I have told you these sayings, so that in me, get inside of Jesus, okay? In me... You're going to have peace, because in this world, you'll have trouble. You will. But take heart. Take heart. Let your emotions begin to soar, because I've overcome the world, and remember, you're in me, and so you win. You win. You win. I'd like for there to be no movement in this room at this time. I'm going to close with two prayers today, but this first prayer is really foundationally the most important, and I just don't want any movement. Um, I ask you just to close your eyes and focus internally. Maybe you're here today and you never really surrendered your life to Jesus. It's possible that you've moved away from God, and you say, you know, Pastor, when you're saying about being in Jesus, I, I'm not. And maybe you're desiring that relationship with Jesus that I love to talk about here. You're ready for a new beginning. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond today just by simply lifting your hand. Hear me well. Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. He died for you so that you could have life and life to the full. And everything can change today. Today you will begin to live like never before. If you want to be included in this prayer and surrender your life completely to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand when I count to three and lift your hand so that I can connect my faith with yours and we will pray together. Would you do that? Are you Ready to give your life completely to Jesus? The count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? You can put your hands down. Thank you. Wow. Lifting your hand was bold. Now I want you to boldly pray this prayer with me. If you lifted your hand, boldly pray this prayer with me. In fact, church, congregation, I want you to pray these words as well for the various individuals who lifted their hand today. Will you pray this out loud with me? Dear Jesus, everyone in this room, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the son of God. Forgive my sins it's time for me to live. I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. Thank you, Jesus, for letting me live in you. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture, and it's possible that you are even feeling a a shift that is coming in your life, or possibly deep down inside you feel called to something more, and City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up, and it's happening on February 10th, 2019, and if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church... I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, You can also just come and visit one of our services because I, I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.